millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the home of time. It is now quite a day for local sport from your local team. This is Charlton Live. When the red, red robin comes bump, bump, bumping along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he stops robbing his home. Sweet song, wake up, wake up, you sleepy head, get up, get up, get out of the bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, love and be happy. What if I be blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. We're back with a bang. Hopefully not literally this time. Welcome back to Charlton Live. It's worked. It's worked. I can't believe it's finally worked. Good evening and welcome back finally to Charlton Live. The first Charlton Live of the season here on Maritime Radio. My name is... Is, uh, is Louis Mendes and joining me uh, in the studio to look back at yesterday's uh, 2-0 defeat. We've managed to come back uh, on, on the same weekend as, uh, as our first defeat. Yeah, hey. yeah. our first defeat of the season is, uh, is Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm alright, thank you. Yeah? Yeah? yeah. I mean, you went to Plymouth yesterday, were you? Yeah, I was here for the explosion and yeah. I was away at Plymouth as well, so all in all a good start to the season <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah, I think we, all, we probably ought to explain and apologise uh, as, as to why we haven't been uh, around for the last couple of uh, weeks. Uh, basically, Tom and Nathan came into the first big match preview show of the season just before the, the weekend before the, the Bristol Rovers game and the computer exploded uh, and we haven't seen Nathan since no we haven't no so slightly worried about that hopefully you'll be okay um, uh, but yeah no we've uh, got to thank the guys at Maritime Radio have been in 
uh, they were here on Tuesday evening while we were down at Exeter uh, for, for fixing us. I hope you can all hear us okay. Uh, let me know if there's any problems with that. Uh, on tonight's show, of course, we will we are going to look back at yesterday's 2-0 defeat uh, at Plymouth. We're going to hear from uh, Carl Robinson. We want to hear from you guys as well. You can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive or you can head over to the Charlton Live forum if you want to give your view. There's a thread uh, for tonight's show on there. We're going to talk about, obviously, obviously yesterday's defeat, but there, there has been a couple of games previous to that that we have won. Uh, you know, we don't want to be too doom and gloom. We have won some games so far this season as well. So if you want to talk about uh, those games, uh, you, you can do as well. Email studio at charltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us uh, at charltonlive. The other topics we got, of course, uh, Carl Robertson revealed yesterday that, that Tony Watt has left the club. Uh, he's gone to, I believe, the Belgian second division team, OH Leuven, uh, which I've made up a... a, 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 a how do you announce it? That one um, uh, for um, and uh, so uh, let us know what you think of him. I did tweet out earlier asking for um, your opinions on Tony. What whether you're sad to see him go? So if you've got anything you want to tell us on that, uh, let us know. Also um, uh, asking about Ben Amos and a good lone goalkeeper. He's another player we're going to focus on today. Uh, let us know what you've made of him so far. He's obviously kept one clean sheet, letting a couple of goals yesterday. He's looked. At times, he's looked a bit hairy, but other times he's made some decent saves. We want to know what you've made of, of Ben Amos so far. Uh, also on tonight's show, we're going to we're gonna hear from Alan Kirbishley, Charlton legend, uh, did an interview with the club for their Valley Pass service, and they've given us just a little clip of that uh, to, to advertise that interview. So we're going to hear from, from him as well and, and remember the good old days, as, as, as we like to do uh, on this show. Uh, but first things first, Tom, obviously... Uh, it was one hell of a long drive down yesterday. I was I stayed down between the Exeter and Plymouth games, so I didn't I didn't yeah. have to do the hard miles twice. But uh, it, it was a long drive, and, and we came home empty-handed. Yeah, really, really frustrating and disappointing. I think it's a lot of it's my own fault. I've built us up, and I've <laughs> in my head we're gonna maybe not walk this league, but for me, we've got the squad, and we've seemed to have the atmosphere around the squad to do very very well this year. Um, we obviously won our first league game, albeit in a bit controversial circumstances. We took our second team away, if you like, and won in the week. And I sort of turned up there and I just assumed, maybe wrongly, that we were going to win. Um, and we started quite well. Uh, I thought we maybe not bossed the first half, but we were the better team. Didn't take our chances and we had two or three really good opportunities to take the lead. Uh, and in the second half... I thought Plymouth were the better team. They got themselves in front and we we didn't fall apart, but we just lacked any creativity in that second half and just went very, very flat. And it was such a disappointing end to the game, really, where we just didn't seem to be able to get back into the game, which is something we've seen over previous years. And as I say, not something I expected to see this year. Yeah, that was that was the main point in that second half. But I guess if, you, if we're, we're focused on, on the first half, and you, and you look at the chances we had now. Obviously, Josh McGuinness so he trained, he did train on the Friday. It was a bit, it was sort mm. of touch and go whether he was going to play, and he was fit enough to start, which is good because otherwise we don't really have a senior yeah. striker on the books. I've, you know, with, with Lee Novak uh, out suspended and um, Ahern Grant for me, I, I don't class him as a senior striker yet. Yeah. Whether he's ever going to make that grade, we'll, we'll, we'll find out over the next season probably. But so in terms of you know those chances that fell to McGuinness, I mean the the the, the glaring one that where uh, Billy Clark had had that shot and McCormack had got down and given it straight to him. Now I mean I mean that was a superb save. I'm not sure, was there was there much more McGuinness could have done in that situation? I don't know really. I mean we we were obviously sat right up the other end to that goal, so I didn't see it clearly at the time, but it looked like he should have scored. I've seen the highlights back and as you say it is a fantastic save from the keeper, but you know, he's a striker who 
when he's on form and he has days, you know, like the Bristol game last year, he can put teams away. And uh, it just didn't seem to be his day yesterday because that's the sort of chance, you know, OK, the keeper's made a great save, but you would see him scoring. He obviously had the the header as well. And he just, then it obviously in the second half, had a couple, a couple of others as well. But I don't know. I don't know if he was fully fit, really. I, I just got the feeling that perhaps he, he was rushed back because we had no chance, uh, no choice. But... Yeah, it wasn't to be, was it? And and as you say, just just couldn't really take that chance. But a credit to the keeper on on that particular occasion because it was a brilliant save. I mean, there, there, there will be some some hard to take from the fact that I felt in that in that first half, I felt we probably controlled possession mm. in terms of that first half. Mm. I and mean, not to say that Plymouth didn't have a few balls into the box. Um, uh, you know, quite early on there was one where I think it was Blissett who couldn't bring it down and turn, and there was that ball across the face of goal yeah. towards the end of it. But I, I, I did feel we controlled the play in that first period. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And as I say, I I stopped from saying we, we dominated that first half because I think that would be a bit over the top but we were the better team we had certainly had more possession and what we were doing in that first half if you watch the highlights even a, a, of a couple of those chances we were our creative three behind McGuinness and the two not wing backs obviously but uh, De Silva and Solly almost as a five were getting forward and they were linking up and their passes were quick and they were fast and they were moving for each other and then in the second half, when we were one down, all of that just fell apart and it was sideways and it was backwards. And it was, I know the goal obviously takes an, a knock on your confidence, but for a team that have, you know, trained well all through pre-season, had two wins early on in the season, it was it was a bit of a surprise for me because, as you say, in that first half, we were the better team. We were creating chances and we were exciting to watch in that first half. It was just a shame for us away fans that it was all happening up the other end. And then when the teams obviously turned around at half time, we didn't see that in the second half because... I thought, and, and we said at half-time, it was going to be important what Carl said to them because if he said, you know, carry on doing what you're doing and the goal will come, I, I felt like it would because because we were the better team and, and it just didn't happen. Right. Uh, OK, don't forget, we want to hear... We want to hear what you guys uh, made of yesterday's uh, of yesterday's defeat at Plymouth. You can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us at charltonlive. We're now going to seamless, seamlessly go into a break whilst Tom runs outside to let Lewis in who's turned up 10 minutes late to the show. Lovely ball into the part of Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the middle, Kaylee! And there's a goal! Charlton have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson to roll it out of Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the part of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide rule ball across the penalty area, picked out Vetter Kaylee, who buried his chance, and Charlton a 2 1 up. Live. Right, I don't think anyone noticed that. Um, <laughs> Tom running out of the studio there today. Lewis Catton, Lewis, how are you doing? Yes, good, Louis. How are yeah, you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, thanks for, for coming in. Uh, you've just come back from Plymouth today. Just so, about. I'm yeah. absolutely shattered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for, for rushing to the studio. Um, no problem. Uh, me and Tom have just been sort of going through the, op- the, the opening stages, the opening half of yesterday. Yeah. Where I thought, you know, what, what was your view on, on the game as a whole? Um, as a whole, the, the alarming thing for me is, is the lack of creativity we have in the final, sort of the final third in terms of a goal scorer. Um, but the first half, I thought we had a fair few chances that we could have could have got quite a decent lead going into half time. But we just don't seem to have that prolific goal scorer that we can rely on to put those balls in the net. Mm. Um, and I don't know, defensively, we looked a little bit shaky when they were 
breaking as well. They've got that mm. the number thirteen. I can't remember his name now. He looked quite quite aggressive. Um, Bauer and Pierce did okay dealing with him, but I think Solly and De Silva looked a little bit off the mark. Uh, and Amos was didn't really impress me either. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, we were sort of saying just before you came in that we felt in the first half. I mean, we probably controlled possession and we were creating chances. As soon as, soon as Plymouth went one 0 up, just after the start of the second half, and they sat back, that's when we couldn't unlock them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we did. We looked the dominant side in the first half. We keep we keep the ball really well, and we we have been able to um, under under Robinson really this season. Um, it's just like we say, trying to put those chances in the back of the net. We don't seem to have that player that can can score um, I mean Ricky obviously Ricky Holmes can do so but he's, he's midfield he's limited to what he can do when he's playing out on the wing um, we need that prolific goal scorer uh, with Tony Watt moving on even though he wasn't exactly prolific and Nicky Jose out on loan leaves you Novak and McGuinness really doesn't it and neither of them are going to get you 20 goals a season mm. so, when, so when it comes to, to the, the, the chances that we did miss I mean did you think McGuinness could have done better if he's only had Jake Forster Kasky who had his yeah I mean, it was a really good save wasn't it onto yeah. the, uh, the one when he hit the bar um, from uh, McCormick but yeah Forster Kasky off the line just unlucky but yeah I, I think he probably could have done better I know he came under a bit of uh, a bit of stick McGuinness on social media last night for missing some chances mm. but it yeah. seems to seems to be the way, doesn't it? All yeah. the time. So the defending, the defending for the goal, the the opening goal at the start of the second half, where the corners come over, and I think it's Edwards who's headed headed back into the middle, and there's, there's Jake Jervis to, to flick it over the line. It's a good, good little finish, really, from mm. from on the mm. line. But you know, I mean, I think we, we've been fairly com- comfortable from you know set pieces up until then. And I think that was the first one really I can remember causing us any any problems apart from. I mean, Amos had a couple of crosses in the first half that he spilt, and and there was there was, there was a. The back pass from Cashy earlier on, where there was a bit of a lack of communication. But other than that, I think, you know, apart from that sort of bedding in thing, I thought we'd been okay. But you fall you fall asleep at one set piece and you get punished. Yeah, and uh, you could tell they'd worked on it. Um, and you're right, we have been. Uh, I thought we we'd stood up to them okay, and I I never really felt in that first half like Plymouth were going to score. Um, as you say, they had a couple of crosses in and. Uh, Amos spilt that one and then claimed it the second time of asking and had that one that he had to tip wide. But aside from that, you know, they weren't getting into the box and getting lots of shots away. And that we fell asleep that one time, you, you know, you'd think Bauer and Pierce, they're big, big guys. They should be able to handle the strength, but they weren't able to do that. And the number 14 and 13 both just gave them trouble all afternoon, really. Um, and it, as you say, it was a good finish, but we had been the better team in that first half and up to that point and it was just so disappointing to to fall behind and you think right well a good team this is a sign of a good team we've been playing better we're we're looking all right we've fallen behind to to a goal where we've fallen asleep how are we going to recover from this and how are we going to step up and get ourselves back in the game and that was what I was looking for the team to do and in my opinion the very opposite happened and you know, I'm not going to go as far as I did last night when I got in late and, and said they were, you know, appalling. But it was just so disappointing that there was just there was no urgency to get back in the game at all, and we just seemed to lack any sort of creativity. And that was what was so worrying for me already in the season. Well, that, that's the thing that, yeah, like you say. I mean, I mean, we we know we've we've signed a lot of creative attacking players. We, we couldn't couldn't play Ben Reeves yesterday. Mm. I mean, he was clearly he played at, he played at Exeter, and he was he was clearly without a pre-season. It's very unlikely he's going to play, and then tight calf or something and Carl mentioned yesterday he's been put onto sort mm. of like a, a pre-season schedule almost but I mean because I, I felt after seeing him on Tuesday extra a couple of balls over the top I thought he might 
might have been the man who would unlock that 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 sort of team. But Fossey was running with the ball, trying a few things, kept sort of running into into mm. traffic yesterday. Um, Ricky Holmes probably quite similar, trying to get down the wing, but not that many crosses mm. coming over in that second half. I mean, the slight if if you're going to take a worry from that second half is. If we are this team that's going to try and push for the playoffs, and a lot of people have been talking about top two, I'm, I'm saying that our level is we're going to try and push for the playoffs. We're not going to get mm. ahead of ourselves here. If we're going to try and push for the playoffs, then teams are going to come to the Valley and sometimes even play at the home grounds against us and sit back and become hard to break down, which is what Plymouth did in that second half. Uh, and we're going to have to deal with that and break them down, and that's not really what we did. I think in that second half, until I mean, Cashy had a long range. Um, Carlin had that long ranger that they ended up breaking from the corner and scoring. Other than that, it was that cross mm. in for McGuinness where he brought it down and, and and tried to tow it, but sort of fell backwards. I mean, mm. other than that, did we create anything really in that second half? I think that was it. Mm. And and Lewis and I said at the game yesterday that even when you've got McGuinness there, who has at times proven that he can can score goals for us we look like we're just trying to rely on crossing balls into him. And when you've got Reeves, you've got Marshall, you've got Fosu, you've got uh, Clark and you've got Holmes, there's five players. If you've got three of those five on at any time, they should be doing like we were in the first half and linking and quick passing and quick moving and getting into the box, more like an, an Arsenal style of play. And when we're relying on crosses into the big man, it's just it's a bit worrying because that's not what those players do. Those players play nice, quick, intricate passing and that's how we're going to get our goals. And... You know, we talk. We talked earlier about the fact that we've not really got uh, a twenty-goal a season striker. That is a concern, but at the same time, we probably haven't really had one apart from what, Wright Phillips and maybe Bent in the last twenty odd years. But if we've got three or four central uh, attacking midfielders who are going to get ten or fifteen each, that's not such a worry. But the problem at the moment is that they're not quite gelling, and they don't necessarily look like scoring those goals. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the the second goal, and obviously it came from Ahern Grant had his long shot that sort of swerved a bit and mm. almost caught McCormick out. He put it out for the corner. Uh, that sort of by the time the ball came in, uh, Plymouth picked it up and broke. And now it's, it's come to Jervis and he's run over the halfway line. He's sort of he has got to pretty much the edge of the box and let fly it. But I mean, my initial reaction was to and, and probably it might be I might be being sort of biased against him because I've had my eye on him because I think he's made a couple of mm. errors so far. But you know, it, it seemed to go through the goalkeeper a bit easily yeah. for me. It did. I, I watched the highlights um, last night actually on on the telly, and it it did go it did go through him. Um, and yeah, the, the confidence it doesn't seem to be there. I don't think he was getting much game time at Bolton either. Um, so he's obviously a little bit rusty. He came in um, quite late. I don't know how much of a preseason he had at Bolton. So that's another one. Um, but I, I, Tom said to me yesterday. I think at the moment um, uh, Dylan's a probably a safer pair of hands. Mm. Um, and I'd look at giving him a bit of a bit of a chance while Amos isn't isn't up to scratch. Yeah, so we'd like to know, we'd like to say, what you guys think of uh, of Ben Amos or of the performance yesterday, or about Tony. What there's plenty of things we're going to talk about. You can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us at charltonlive. Um, there's a couple of other things. Uh, something we had planned for for last week's show was to was to go through. Um, uh, our pre-season predictions and there is a few emails that we'll, we'll talk about that as well just to see what, what people are expecting uh, and then by the end of the season uh, the Charlton Live team have all written down their ones and I'm keeping those under wraps and we're going to open them at the end of the season just to find out how little all of us know uh, about football right CFC facts and stats says it's a bit of a myth about needing uh, needing a 20 uh, league goal scorer when only two reached that figure in the whole of league one last season now of course um, I mean if you're getting 
goals from all around the team. And that is how we're set up to play. I mean, mm. I mean, I remember Carl talking about it, I think, in pre-season, saying that you know people look at our formation, the 4-2-3-1, as playing with one striker. But the way he sees it, we're playing with four strikers because the three behind the striker, so the two advanced wingers, so yes, they would have been Holmes and Fosu. And then yeah. uh, behind the striker would have been Clark and obviously McGuinness. Uh, he, he sees that as four strikers. So if, if you're free, uh, uh, you know, getting their goals... Then it doesn't matter, but obviously, I mean, he, again, you'll hear it in Carl's interview in, in a few moments. Time he did say yesterday that when we're having a day where it's not going in, you just want that striker like your Bradley Wright Phillips from from, or if we're going back, you know, Mendonkas or your Hunts, it will turn nothing into a goal and mm-hmm. and just win that game for you when it's a tight nil nil or, or you've just gone behind like a goal a goal to nil or something like that. Yeah, and I think although McGuinness is a you know a big lad and it is easy to lump it up to him, he's not you know at the risk of. You know, he's not Kermigan. He's not going to drop back and hold up and bring others into play. He's more going to try and get on the end of crosses and try and score for himself. So those players perhaps need someone more who can, more like a Tony Watt, maybe not Watt himself, but someone who can drop in, can collect the ball and let those players run past them so that they can get in the box. Because what was happening yesterday was Holmes and Fosu sometimes were doubling up on one side and getting in each other's way. Clark, I thought, was probably the best out of the three in terms of an attacking threat, but they were cutting in on the edge of the area and then just having long shots or trying to cross it into McGuinness. If you've got a striker coming short that they can one-two and they can move past defenders, that's the way, for me, that those three players should be playing, whichever three of the five, once they're all fit, are playing. And we, at the moment, and we in pre-season, we, we didn't see it a huge amount, and they are new to each other and they're still still starting to gel, and I know that takes time, but... As I say, I've just got a lot more confidence about the team this year and it was so disappointing that they didn't really do that for me yesterday. Right, so obviously disappointment on the road uh, yesterday at Plymouth. After the game, uh, myself uh, and Terry and then uh, Jake from the New Shopper, uh, we all caught up with uh, with Carl Robertson, who uh, obviously talks about the game, talks about Tony Watley and he talks about the, the, the search for a, for a new striker. So it's uh, plenty of stuff worth listening to here. This is Carl Robertson after yesterday's defeat down at Home Park. Carl, defeat on the road at Plymouth today. What did you make of the game? Should have won. <coughs> Should be out of sight in the first half. Yeah, we were excellent first half. And when we moved the ball, we rotated, the chances that we created, okay, playing nice football, but you've got to have an end product. And we got that. But we missed too many chances. Second half, then we, then we switched. We, then we knew today the only way they was going to score and break that double set piece. We spoke about it all week. They're a massive physical team. And we defended everything superbly well. And the one that we switch off, we get, we get done at. And that's a disappointing thing. We've switched off from a set piece and they've scored. Everything we've spoken about, and that is how clear it is today. Missed chances, switched off. You can't question the desire, you can't question in between two boxes, you can't question the support that we had, you can't question any of that. Just we didn't take our chances. Well, what do you do going forward to make sure those chances get converted in the next few weeks? Um, we're looking to bring a striker as well, to, to, to be in competitiveness. No one's going to come in and say, Josh, you're a top player. Um, we've got some really, Ricky and Tariq we've got some really good offensive players but you don't always have a day that every year it goes in so when them days aren't there it'd be great if we could have someone that we can change and, and make that a bit more a proper goal scorer the goal scorer that, that really makes a difference that we build on our team Josh McGuinness seems to be like a doubt for the for the, for the yeah. week was it was he fully fit today yeah, he's, yeah. he's fine yeah he's trained yesterday so we had no issues with it he'd only been out for, for 10 days it was not like he's sort of trying to I thought it was all round the older place today was very good you can't listen you just have one of them days literally and don't forget they've had one guy score two goals and the man in the match was the goalkeeper 
that, that to me <laughs> says an awful lot about it. Listen, I, I, I can't, can't criticise nobody, can't say it was this, can't say it was that. We, we should look at ourselves, that's as simple as that. Listen, fair play to Plymouth. They, they took their chances when they came along and we never. After that first goal went in, it seemed to me that Plymouth sort of sat behind the ball and became very difficult to break you, down. We, we spoke about this, we spoke about... But then, when you win the ball back, you have to play forwards a lot quicker, and we never maybe did that. Um, listen, there were so many things. You, you, you can nitpick very easy in football. The whole the whole aspect of today, we just didn't take our chances and we switched off from set piece. So we don't get carried away after two wins in the first two games, we won't get carried away after one defeat? No, but I'm telling you now, that's the best I've seen in the dressing room. Because when they're sitting there go right we've we'll, right, we'll banked this don't let it happen again we don't point fingers we just get better and sometimes listen this is a silly statement sometimes, sometimes it's a reality check that, well, hang on we've got to perform and train every, to the best of our ability every day because you sometimes have them days when lady looks not on your side you don't take your chances but then you've got to be resolute to not concede and maybe take a point away from home but no listen I can't really there's no player I can question just like I said to you before chances that we missed and we switched off from a set piece mentioned earlier you were hoping to get a striker in yeah. um, in terms of a striker going out there's reports in the Belgian press and then, and then the yeah, local Tony's press around here on. about Tony he's going to confirm he's left now Tony's moved on yeah um, certainly he wanted so he wanted a fresh start and like I said if it's you all along listen um, that's his decision that's his prerogative would you have liked to have kept him? with that I'll stay internal Carl, the moment that uh, the keeper pulls off that save from the Josh McGuinness, uh, sort of Banks-esque, if you like, um, did, were you of the opinion, well, it's going to happen sooner or later, or was after that, did you think it's never going to happen? I was saying, rather, to be fair, the three of me, Jack Ambo, just turned around and said that that's one of the best saves I've ever seen live. Um, but he made another great save, low down to his right from Carlon. We had uh, two open oh, chances with the header. The one three yards out where Josh is three yards out and just seems to lose his footing. That's not. That's just one of them days that we've had today in front of goal. Um, but you can't have too many of them. You've got to make sure that they score. The simple as that. We've always said that the teams, but our teams played well again today. It's not one. I don't think anybody in the stadium would have said that we we didn't deserve more than what we got. We've been hit with a set piece. We've been hit on the counter attack. And credit to Plymouth. Well done to them. Listen, they've done what they've had to do. But it's because we've not took our chance when they came along. As a manager, when you get days like today, when you, when when it doesn't seem to go your way. Uh, is this you treat this like a wake up call to treat this like a kick up the pants regardless whether we won or lost but we're, we're, we'll always we always look at these games and, and find ourselves wanting more it's never any any circumstance that we ever find that we win a game and we switch off and that we've, we've done it um, we're never that's never been our way of doing things we know we've got a long way to go as a team we've got a long way to grow still got maybe two players to bring in to, to, to bolster that um, bringing young Carl on and bringing Rico on for his first league debut is a, is a bonus for him and I thought he performed really well when he came on his exit today and I earned the right. But it just shows you where we are short um, and shows you where we need to improve now. And Cole, um, just, on, just on Tony Watt, were you surprised that he told you that he wanted to leave? Because there was, there was a feel around the club here on Twitter saying that he was you know, really looking forward to the season with Charlton in League One. No, listen, I think it was one of them ones where for his career he felt it was best that he, that he, that he, that he, that he had a new challenge. So that's, that's his prerogative, like I said to you before. What he wanted to do, so it's something that we look to do. And obviously, just another one as well. Review not being here was was one that he's now on a, on a pre-season program. We, we, he wasn't able to to play on Tuesday. We had to either play him Tuesday and nothing today, or not put him on a sub on Tuesday and have him sub today. And it's all about us building his minutes up to get him to match fit. So that's why he wasn't here. So we obviously missed him in certain aspects of it. So, and, but listen, I don't think anybody. 
I think you've seen all the players really want to be here and they really want to play part of it. But Tony, Tony, like I say, we wish him luck and it's a decision that he has to make. Um, but we're starting to get rid of our players that have been here for a long period of time now and, and we're starting to clean an awful lot of things out and uh, it's, it's hard, it's, it's hard behind the scenes to get that right and but persevere with us and, and we'll get it right, we'll get the right players in and we'll try and make this as exciting season as what we've always promised it was going to be. And if we keep playing like that today, I don't think we're all far wrong. Can we assume that it's going to free up some space in the way school as well? No, we will be, we'll be we'll off a strike anyway, so. And, and how close are you to bring one in? We've spoken to one or two, but you used to did a Listen, every club from the top of the English Premier League to the, to the bottom of the, the conference is looking for a striker to score 20 goals a season. So we're in, the, we're fishing in the same pond as every other football club, and we just hope that we find the right one that is competitive. We know there's four or five that we've spoken about that we like. There's been two or three that, that we think are being outpriced that we won't be chasing. Um, so we, we just have to get it right. And is it going to be a permanent one or loans? We just don't know. Listen, that's, that's something that we have to speak about yeah. to anyone once again. To go and buy a striker, I was going to screw you 25 goals, and it cost you 1.52 million quid. Yeah. When do you ever see a team in League One do that? So it's out of the range of, of everybody at our level. So unless you, you're getting, you go to 300, maybe you've got, we have got transfer money there, they only said that, and the board has said that, but there's only a certain amount that, you, that you've got. And, and can I find the top striker for that? And if I can't, I'll go into a loan market and find one who is that top striker. OK, yeah, we're developing them for somebody else. But our job is to make sure that we're competitive this year. And, and if that's the case, that we have to bring one in on loan and the following year, if we're successful, we can go and buy our own. And we've got to be very clever in the transfer market and very astute in how we do things. I think we've done that so far this, this summer. Um, and, we, and like I said, but today's just all echoed exactly what we've spoken about for the last two weeks. And with memories, you kind of mentioned it already, so, so he wasn't injured, he's just not much. No, 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 no. We always knew there'd be a fatigue level with his calves and his hamstrings because obviously the first time he's played for over four months, I think it was the other day. So now he trains tomorrow, uh, Monday, Tuesday on a pre-season block and he'll be trained back with us Thursday, Friday, be on the bench uh, next week. Then he will play on the Tuesday at, at Norwich, I think it is, and then so on and so forth from there on in. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was a bit loud, that bit. <laughs> Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. That was Carl Robinson uh, and... And some seagulls, as, as correctly pointed out by Seb Lewis, being Carl heckled by the seagulls during the interview. Um, well, it's nice to have some sort of like local sound there. Mm. Uh, like normally when you go up north, it's just people fighting in the background. So, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, some, some seagulls there because you're, you're by the seaside in Plymouth, of course. Um, what, did, what did you make of Carl's interview after? I mean, I, I, I always think that as fans at full time, we're always annoyed, we're always angry, you're always you're always straight away thinking of the negatives. Obviously, as a manager, I find managers tend to look at the positives as well. And, mm. he, and, and he did point out, we, you know, we, we were creating chances. Um, it's something that we heard a lot. We've, we heard a lot last season from both Russell Slade and from Carl Robinson. Creating chances weren't taking them. So obviously, we can't keep going on like that. But you do have to sort of take a step back and say, well, you know, if we did have that striker yesterday that was in form that would have scored the goals, then, then we probably would have won the game. Mm. I think... Uh... 
if I'm being honest, I think about I listen to about what ten percent of what Carl says because he it's waff- about twenty minutes. Though. Yeah, he, <laughs> he waffles a lot. Um, but I think he is right. We did, and as we said at the start of the show, we did create a lot of opportunities in that first half, and we just couldn't put them away. So, if you're a manager, obviously you want to go in and and say that. And from what he's saying, if we believe what he's saying, the players knew that themselves and were were happy to talk about that themselves and admit that. So. I think we haven't really had chance to speak about pre-season due to explosion issues and, and stuff. But <laughs> as I said, you know, with the confidence I've got in this team over teams of recent years, they do seem like a fairly tight, tight-knit group. They seem like a, an honest group and they they seem like if things do go wrong, they're going to admit it and they're going to talk about it and figure it out for themselves, which is what you want a team to do. But especially these days, it doesn't happen so often. So I think that that probably does happen and Carl's got to sort of channel that and make sure that they know what's gone wrong and they work on that for next week and we can just put the defeat behind us because we're going to lose games this season wherever we finish even if we were to win the league you know we are going to lose games yeah we didn't want to lose one so early but it's happened now so put it away and move on obviously i mean at the start of the season it's always in the summer there's there's always hope there's always there's always hope there's always a little bit of leeway um, you know, some people say, "Oh, you, you're moaning too much," and others, you know, uh, other, uh, you know, others will say, "You know, this you just got to let them gel and all the, all this and that." So, I mean, it, do, you, do you think there's a we might be doing that? I mean, because we can't let them off if we don't sign a striker. That's what that's what I'm trying to yeah. say. Like, mm. it, I mean, th- this summer, if you look at, I think we started off at a much better base this summer than we did last summer. So we already had the likes of Ricky Holmes, and we signed Jake Forster, Caskey, who could do a bits in the middle, and we've got Cashy coming back, so that's a base that we started off with. Then we signed some decent players, we signed Fosu, who looks like he could be quite alive mm. while, we signed Ben Reeves, who we all know, like having seen him play for MK, has got has got quality behind him. So, because of that, we're, we're, so, we're sort of moving forward in that direction, but, I mean, I was, I was saying this yesterday, um, if, uh, I've, said, I've said it for the last few weeks, really, on, on Twitter and stuff, if if this season, like, if this, this summer's been an okay summer, but it's completely wasted if you don't finish off that squad now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think we need need to learn from from previous seasons, um, and and whether we will or not, because yeah. I mean, we said we need <laughs> you know, to learn every, every time, year, isn't it? Yeah. We'd say oh, you could probably play the last what three years of first shows of the season and have the same conversation can you, about that. But we do, we do need that um, that striker. We need to just, like you say, finish finish off the squad, get it competitive, and give it a bit of depth. Uh, I'm all for giving the giving the young guys a bit of a run out. I think Carlin's looked quite good um, so far when he's come back in, and he he needed that confidence boost. But you can't bloody them too early. I mean, yesterday we were stuck bringing you know Reese Hackett Fairchild on into a game, and you know he did all right. But you don't want to do exactly what we did to Carlin mm. a few years yeah, ago um, to yeah. another player. Exactly. I mean, so. Re- Reece, uh, Rico is uh, Rico. Is Rico look, yeah, yeah, Rico looked quite good uh, at Exeter yeah. when he came on. He, he, he I think he tested the goalkeeper a few times. So there's one towards the end of that game. Uh, where he, I think he got a bit greedy and he should have squared it for just someone for a tap-in. But he, he's looked quite lively since he's come in. But you're as, exactly mm. the, the, the the case in point is Carlin Ahern Grant because he, he, he put him in at sort of the age of 17. I think Rico's 18, I think, mm. off the top of my head. And the first five games, he had a few runs. And ever since then, when he didn't get that goal, his confidence just drained. He was getting beaten up a bit. And that's why, I mean, that's why even now, he's still affecting him, in my opinion, with, with Carlin. I mean, he's, mm. he's, come, he's been given a, a sort of a breath of fresh air this, this year, a new lease of life from, from Carl. The way we were talking about it in pre-season, but I mean, he's still he's still got a lot to prove to 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 you know hit the hit the heights he hits for the under twenty threes because he mm-hmm. scores goals for them. I think yeah, if Cag could get a goal for the first team, that would make the world a difference for him. Um, 
And I think you're right with, with Rico. Playing on Tuesday night was the ideal stage for him because it was a cup that... If we go out, are we really that bothered? And if I we wish man- we had gone out because it was it's with the disaster of the draw means we have to take another more time off to go to Norwich. But the fact that we got through, it gave him a chance to play a whole game in a winning team. When he's brought on with five minutes left, when you're already two nil down away from home to Plymouth, it's that's the danger of having that the Ahern Grant, the Piggott situation all over again. And I think when you look at most of the positions, when we're fully fit, we were trying to work out yesterday. We think apart from defensive midfield. And to, um, a striker, possibly right back. We've got good cover in all the other positions. Um, so those those front three behind the striker are all fine. The two centre backs, we've got two other centre backs. Left back once Page is fit. So I think we've got cover in most of the other places, but we need an extra defensive midfielder to replace Forster Kasky and Kashi, and we need some striker support for McGuinness and Novak. And then behind that, you can then introduce the young players when you want to, as opposed to when you have to. Right, let's hit on to the uh, emails. Obviously, we want to know what you guys have made of uh, of the defeat uh, yesterday and, and the, 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 the season uh, so far before that. So this one, the first one's from Chris Davin. Hi, Chris. I hope you've had a, a decent summer. Always first one with the emails. It says, so after last week's hysteria in beating uh, Bristol Rovers at the Valley, we come down to earth with a bump at Plymouth. Once again, our squad is too small. Non-scoring Novak and McGuinness are only senior strikers. Robinson said he'd only let what go if it was right for the club as well as the player. So how is it right for the club at this moment in time? It isn't. No doubt in my mind that Phillips should be number one keeper, uh, though that last season is is weird how Robinson, uh, the liver of youth players, the lover of youth players, uh, seems to have an issue when it comes to Dylan Phillips. Uh, in both games so far, Amos has looked hesitant and far from convincing. Sadly, we're stuck with him for the campaign. A big Achilles heel he will turn out to be. It's a long way to go uh, to Northampton at home, but it could be pivotal uh, in how our season is going to uh, turn out. Finally, what has uh, happened to the protest? Three games gone and not an anti rolling chant to be heard. Uh, has Gobbo won over the masses? Uh, is the fight over and his acceptance now assured? Watch this space. That's from uh, Chris. So a few points there. I mean, um, we'll, we'll go first of all with, I mean, the, the Ben Amos stuff and the, the Dylan Phillips. I mean, from from what I've seen so far from Amos, I mean, like I say, it's, it's two games in. I, I wasn't here for the Ipswich friendly, so mm. I didn't even see that. So I've seen him twice. Um, I mean, he's, he's looked shaky at times. He's dropped crosses. He, he punched Bauer in the back of the head trying to clear a ball yeah, yesterday. Did, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and obviously, he's let he's let that second goal slip through him. Two games in, might be might be being too harsh. We might be jumping on. I mean, I remember Chris Solly got slagged off after the four 0 defeat at, at Millwall when he was early on in his career, and, and look, what he's <laughs> turned out to be. Yeah. Um, but for me, I mean, I've, I, I, I haven't seen Phillips made many many mistakes, and uh, in in the time that Amos has been in goal so far, I've seen him make four or five probably yeah. so far I mean what would what, you reckon um I mean I from I've I've seen Ben Amos play before uh, at other clubs and I've never been convinced so when he came in I wasn't exactly over the moon um but you give everyone a benefit of the doubt but like you said I, Ipswich game was a bit pointless he, he signed a few hours before and had nothing to do because we played him off the park uh, I missed the Bristol Rovers game but I heard he was having issues from uh, crosses again coming out coming for corners missing the ball and he had that yesterday, like you say, punching Barrow in the back of the head. And then the second goal, could he have done better? I think so. Um, what the issue is with Dylan, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think there is an, an issue of such. I think he just maybe it is him being careful. A goalkeeping position is 
a bit for, as a younger player, there's probably a lot more on your shoulders than there would be if you were coming on to play in centre mid or up, up front or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Carl's insistent that he's going to send Dylan Phillips out on loan when he gets mm. the second goal. Coming, don't forget we've had that that David Martin, the former Milton Keynes guy, has been training with us now. So yeah, you know, I don't know what the what the situation is there. Whether one whether he wants too much money, whether. Uh, or whether we just don't want him that much. I, mean, I, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's only speculation. Whether Carl's that interested in him, who knows? I mean, obviously, played had him at, at Milton Keynes as well. But whether he's going to be used mm. as a last option, who knows? Yeah, I think a, a good example with, with Dylan though is I was just thinking about this now. Is Nick Nick Pope when he first was sort of forced into a first team berth, he he made a couple of errors, and I know a lot of people weren't confident in him at the time. We had Hamer. I remember we played Derby at home, and we were two up, and they had a shot from distance. It went slipped through mm. through his legs. And that sort of he made a couple of issues. He maybe doesn't want that to happen with Dylan. I'm not sure, um, but I think he he deserves a chance. He's some of the stuff in pre-season. He's looked good, and when he has been called upon, I've always thought he's impressed. Um, but we just got to see, I suppose. See what happens. About if I don't think they'll keep Amos in the side if he keeps playing the way he is. I think it would be ridiculous. Mm, yeah. Well, well, we'll see. We'll have to give him a few chances. Now, the second the second question. I'm just about to tweet this out as well, which which Chris Davin put there was. Uh, uh, about the protest because we haven't really we haven't heard anything from uh, like I said I haven't heard any anti Roland chants um, yeah. so far this season personally I don't know if you guys have either no no but so I mean what, what's the situation now as as you guys see it do you, do you think the fans are going to stop protesting now do you think there's not the appetite do you think because we've had a summer that so far that on paper looks quite quite okay although obviously still work to be done and we're running out of time to do it and you, do you think that's the reason we haven't heard anything um, I think there's less of an appetite. Uh, but I think a lot of that is down to the fact we haven't played football. Um, look at when Slade came in last year, there was a kind of a, a veto, if you like, of protesting in August. Um, I think every year, no matter how ardently you dislike or disagree with what the owners are doing to this club, when a season comes around, as you said yourself, Louis, there's there's hope. Um, and people will, will no doubt give Carl and his team time in the same way that they gave Russell his last year. Um for me, my opinion is that the squad is better. Uh, it's that the manager is in a strong position. It's that we've got the potential here to have a, have a successful season. Does that mean I agree with what the ownership have done? Absolutely not. Does that mean that I suddenly forgive them for everything? No, it doesn't. Um, but I want to give this team as much chance as possible. And if if a lot of people are feeling that way, then perhaps they're going to give them some time. I think there's still going to be plenty of people out there who still feel the same way as they did two, one, two, even three years ago where the mistakes have been made and they're not happy to forgive and they're going to stick to their guns and I'm sure they will protest in their own way but maybe that's just not coming to games. I don't think we're going to see as many flying pigs or footballs or taxis as we've seen in recent years but if we lose a few games, if Carl gets sacked and if we slip back into a routine that we've seen over recent years, who knows because... The, the reality is that at the end of it all our owner is still the same owner that we've had problems with for three years now I mean the, the season ticket sales and the, and the tendencies at home games I mean it was, I think I think it was something like 11,000 on, on for the first game but Bristol Rovers bought over 2,000 fans mm. so obviously that, that bumps it up quite a bit now the, the actual attendances in a way will be a protest uh, because if a lot of people, as we saw last season, have just chosen to stay away because we're, we're something like five, six, seven thousand down on what we were the last time we were in League One, mm. even in the season where you know the middle season in League One where we didn't do particularly well. Yeah, I think, yeah, like like Tom says, with with protesting, um, the the attendance is the big one, isn't it? It's the one that hurts hurts them the most, if you like, um, and hurt, it hurts the club as well, though. But obviously, people are entitled to do whatever. I personally 
wouldn't stay away. I haven't, I haven't renewed my ticket this season, but I have been. You know, it's a, that's just a personal choice. Um, will 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 it change anytime soon? Will will they go? I'm not sure. There was all the talk at the end of the season if they were going to go anywhere, and that sort of stalled. So yeah, I don't think anyone knows. But like Tom touched on, I think we had a positive summer, a strong preseason. Most of Carl's targets have seemed to have come through the door. Most of the people he doesn't want at the club seem to have gone out the door on permanent deals, not just loans. Um, so people will look at that and will want to give it a bit of a chance for for August, like we've done before. Uh, and you know, if if Carl goes or we're having a bad season or we don't don't strengthen the squad where we need to, then I can see it um, uh, livening up again mm, on the protest yeah. front. Because that was another thing. I guess if if we had a, a pre-season show, we probably would have mentioned it more more uh, sort of forefrontly. But um, the fact that we managed to move Tex off the wage bill, I mean, that felt like a big achievement for Carl because, mm. you know, if then if we got that weight, those wages back, I and mean, I don't know how, how it's going to seem because, you know, after after the losses that we posted during the season, we got relegated from the, from the championship when they were revealed uh, sort of in the summer, I think it was. It was, um, you know, it, it was it was stated that clearly these losses can't can't happen again. So obviously mm. there's a level of that they're going to rein in the spending anyway. So any any savings we make from the likes of wages for uh for you know the players that we shipped off out to Centrune including Tex who was you know on six, on uh, five figures a week which is mm. a, quite a lot for for, for league for one, league one yeah. football yeah um whether that's just going to whether we're going to see that whether that's going to be kept to savings i mean that, that that's a problem as well because mm. i mean we when when especially when you go to clubs some of the clubs we're going to go to this season look around at their their attendances are 3000 they're tiny Horrible mm. little stadiums, mm. you know. I don't want to sound big headed. When you look at the size of club that Charlton are, yeah, you know, obviously as play, players can't have it in their mind, we're a big club, we're going to do well. But fans can have an expectation level that we're a big club, we've got an owner who's got a lot of money. Yeah. Why isn't he trying to get us out of this league? Why isn't he trying to, mm. you know, why isn't he spending that tiny little extra bit of cash? Mm. I mean, Carl's done. I think Carl's done some good business, but there's a lot of freeze in there as well. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, why aren't we making? Why aren't we trying to make that step forward? Why aren't we buying that striker? I mean, obviously this everyone's going to be fighting for the same strikers but there is there must be a striker out there who could have he could have done the business for us you've got, you've got to think financially in league one we must we must top every other other millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Like there can't be a side in League One with a better Warchester money than us, really. That's, that's, that's what worried me about Cole post-match is he's saying there are two or three out there that we've been priced out of. Well, obviously we're not privy to the figures at the moment, but we've we know that that money's there we know we could go out and pay it and i understand that there's a a part of ownership which is running a football club responsibly and whoever our owner is i do stand by that but at the same time we've got an owner who could invest in a team that could get promoted and mm. we've got as you say we've got the infrastructure here to do that and 
if we're arguing over a couple of thousand or whatever for a player, just just pay it. Just pay it because it'll make such a big difference to this side. What's the point in putting the groundwork in on all these other players to then stumble on a good keeper or a good striker because of you know a few grand here or there? And I find, it, as I say, we don't know, and it's gonna we'll have to wait until the end of August, which again is is why I think the protests have stopped at the moment. But if that doesn't happen, then that's a real concern. And uh, I think you know the first week in September when the transfer window's closed and when we've had four or five league games to look back on. I think then we can start to assess and say, right, what sort of team are we going to be this year? And I think we'll hopefully have a clear indication at that point. And if it goes that way, then I can see protests ramping up. Right, Reese has tweeted in and says, at the start of last season, there were no songs or protests until Coventry at home. If we have a bad start by October, they'll be back. But if we're up there, we certainly shouldn't protest. Promotion is more important. A positive transfer window uh, also means there are none at the moment. Uh, Super Clive says... Uh, hard to be effective uh, as uh, a lot of what's left at games won't protest. Uh, most who did probably are boycotting. Mm. Uh, now, right, so we've got an email from uh, Dan Farmer who wasn't at the game yesterday. He says he listened on Valley Pass and it could have been a few goals up in the first half but like, but like we never do, uh, we didn't take our chances and Plymouth did. I'm not worried yet like some fans thinking the season is dead after one loss. Uh, I am concerned that we won't go out and buy a decent centre forward and probably just loan some kid from a team from the Premier League or a Championship. Not bothered about what going. He didn't really do much for us. I just hope uh, we get at least a couple of bodies in before the window closes. We have wiped a lot of wages off the wage bill, so we must have fun. Surely, glad Charlton Live is back. Uh, roll on a successful season. Thanks for that, uh, Dan. I mean, he brings up the point that I say about the wages. I mean, we've surely. I mean, with Tony Watt going off. Uh, I think there was, there was a question yesterday in, in, in the interview saying, does that free up wages? And Carl sort of just turned around and said, well, we're already in for a striker anyway. So implying mm. that the Tony Watt situation hasn't made it any different. But we, we, you do lose a body there. And it's a body that was playing at times during pre-season. And it's a body that probably would have been quite useful yesterday rather than bringing on a child. Yeah, it would have. I, I did say, um, I said the, guy, when I, the guys I went with yesterday and Tom, I think Tony Watt probably would have, um, could have made a difference yesterday. But he's someone that can make a difference any game. But never seems to. He just has the ability. Um, he's the ability's there and the talent's there, but just something something's not not working for him. So I hope you know. I'm not. I'm not that bothered about him going. He hasn't. He hasn't done much. He had that little golden spell when he first came in. Um, but I do hope wherever he goes now, he sort of finds his feet because it's a shame to see a young young player moved around so much and and struggle. I was surprised he left. Actually, I must say, I thought he would he'd stick it out. But. Mm. There we go. Right, Sparky says that protests need to remain in Belgium from now on. And Jack Bannett says, yeah, if this season goes the same way as last season, uh, people will start backing the protests again. Right, we're going to have a quick break. We've still got more emails to uh, to read out here on Charlton Live. If you want to have your say on anything, uh, Tony Watt, Ben Amos were talking about tonight, the uh, the start to the season so far, yesterday's defeat, uh, our search for a strike. You can email studio at charltonlive.co.uk. Uh, you can tweet us at Charlton Live or you can head over to uh, Charlton Live Forum. There's a thread on there. We'll be back here on Charlton Live on Maritime Radio in 30 seconds. <laughs> He's gone for it, you know. Oh, what a goal! goal. Oh, what a goal by Armakashi! That's almost at the halfway line. Unbelievable strike. That is outrageous. Right-footed. We saw Armak off his line. What a goal.
Hamilton Live. Got his foot in, Ambrose, no offside here, Darren Benford, Charlton, the angle's disappearing, needs help, Murphy's there, it's Benton, he scored! Took his time, picked his moment, and found the back of the net, it's a debut goal for Charlton's Darren Bent. Ryderson with a left-footed hammer or Murphy with a right-footed curler. It's Murphy. Oh, what a goal. Danny Murphy for Charlton. And the ten men are in front. Aren't too many better free-kick takers around than Danny Murphy. Over a minute of added time still to go, it's up towards Gray. Brian Hughes away, and Bent will chase this. Caldwell is back. It's Bent and it's three. What a super finish from Darren Bent. Two goals on his debut, and Charlton are home and dry now. Twelve years ago today, twelve years ago, uh, on the, the 13th of August 2005, we opened our uh, Premier League season with a 3-1 win up at Sunderland. Uh, that's a new feature we're going to do on Charlton Live that we've been desperately trying to scramble for a name for in the last two minutes while we played it. We're thinking Charlton Live, wish we were there. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're looking back at, at, at good things that happened sort of in this week, but it's falling on, uh, on this day, this time. Darren Bent getting a brace on, uh, on his opening day. Uh, we were just talking there, some, some bloody good players in that team, weren't there? Mm. Yeah, I'm just trying to Google the squad at the moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I remember that summer, actually. Uh, I've probably said on the podcast before that a lot of my family are Ipswich fans. And I remember that summer saying to uh, to my granddad, we need to sign a striker like Darren Bent. Uh, uh, and that's the sort of player we need. And literally the very next day we signed Darren Bent. And, uh, <laughs> and I, did, I never expected him to have quite the impact he did then. But... Uh, yeah, I'm just having Luke Young, Haridison, El Kakuri, Sorondo, uh, Marcus, Sorondo. Marcus Bent, Kishishev, yeah. Holland, Yule, Bent, Franny Jeffers, Lisby, Jerome Thomas, Sean Bartlett. We had about eight strikers. Darren Ambrose, Romadal. I wonder if anyone want to come Romadal. out of retirement. Dennis Romadal. Yeah, we had, we had some great players that year. And uh, yeah, what, what a day to start the season. Yeah, right, well... Uh, very similar start to the season this year, of course, with a, uh, a 1-0 win over Bristol Rose, followed by a defeat against Penrith. Anyway, let's get, let's get back onto the emails. Philip Hill, uh, Philip Hill says, even though I trust you well, I wasn't at the game uh, yesterday, but having been at the Valley the previous weekend, I couldn't help but think to myself at the time, a better team will punish us, and this would appear to have been the case yesterday. We all have to remember it's still early doors, and one bad result doesn't necessarily have to define our season. However, we must strengthen up front with players better than what we already have. Bodies simply won't suffice. 
uh, well, not if we truly want to achieve this season, whilst also understanding this kind of quality may not be readily available or be straightforward to actually get them signed. And that's a, that's a really good point because we're talk, talking about strength in depth and stuff. And one of, one of the things I've been talking with people over the summer was I, I've been I've, I was trying to decide if I was being greedy when I said we need more defensive midfield cover because we've got Cash and we've got Forster Caskey. Then behind, you've got Crofts and. Is it being greedy to say, I think we need a better player than that sort of backup? I mean, we have got Rebo as well. He could probably, <clears throat> I mean, he could probably do a, the, the job there as well. Yeah, mm. I'd prefer to see him slightly more advanced. Um, the only other thing is yeah. Konza can play there sometimes, yeah, sometimes he? he? did but, a little bit, but yeah. again, that's not his, that, not that's his not, natural that's position, not his, is, that's is it? Position. And you want, I mean, if you're going to build a squad that's going to go up, you want better players. And that's what that's what he said here about strikers, yeah. uh, Philip has said. He said it's not just bodies, it's quality. And I think mm. that's true because, I mean, other than McGuinness, who I think you know, he got a bit of a bum rap yesterday because he missed some chances, but he does score. He does tend to score goals. Yeah. He got he got over 10 last season despite being out injured for a, yeah. for a fair whack of it. Um, you know, Novak has proven it elsewhere, but he hasn't proven it here. And he blew his big chance, unfortunately, on, on the first day. I mean... Uh, the backup striker and it needs to be of better quality yeah uh, you're spot on I, I said earlier in the show I think the two places we really need to strengthen are up front and defensive midfield I think and now goalkeeper as well yeah I think uh, McGuinness if you play him as our main striker for most of the season we'll get over 10 goals again as you say he had a bit of a tough time yesterday but more often than not he's going to stick those chances away but I don't think Novak is a suitable backup to him at the moment Um People probably know my opinion of Crofts is is fairly harsh, but irrespective of that, when he has played, I, I just don't think he's done enough. And yes, we've got a Rebo or Konza that can maybe go in there, but you want someone specialist to do that job. And even if you think Crofts is a good player, that's only one person to fill those two positions. What if we know how injury-prone Kashi's been with all the trouble he's had? If he gets injured and then Jake Forstakowski gets suspended or gets well, injured as Jake well. Had, Jake's had his injuries himself since he's been here. Yeah, he? so yeah. then what do you do? If you do put Crofts in, you're then relying on someone to play slightly out of position or you're having to shuffle the, the formation around. So I think we, we do. And and that's what we seem to have done in those other positions. We haven't just bought numbers. We've bought quality. We need to do that in those two positions um, because I'm under no illusion that if we don't do that, it's not going to be a successful season. And that's why I said we've... We've done all this work in all the other positions. Go out and do it. Just final yeah. finalise those last two and get yourself a decent squad where your first 11, okay, they're better than your second 11, but that second 11 are also fairly comfortable and you have no issue with throwing them in at any stage of a game. Yeah, like I say, just, just finish finish the job. Like You yeah. started doing the job and that's why that, it would just go down as another failure for me if they don't yeah. finish this squad. Yeah, uh, and, and it would just waste all, all, that, all that good work and all those good signings that Carl's made this summer. Um, it, it would just, it would just, uh, it would just waste it. Right, Phillips' uh, email continued. An honourable mention to Tony Watt and his latest impending departure. A man more concerned with reviewing movies badly on WhatToWatch.com, uh, while also playing for more clubs, uh, clubs than Steve Claridge, and all before the age of 24. Uh, all that being said, this Saturday's game against Northampton uh, will be all the more interesting for it. The soap opera rolls on. Come on, you Reds, and that's from uh, that's from Phil. Mm. Thanks for the, your email, Phil. Phil Hill. Uh, another one from Ian says, uh, Hi, I went to the game on Saturday and thought we should have won the match 3-0 by half-time. We were organised, passed the ball very well and attacked with aggression. Uh, there was two chances uh, that we had that could have gone in for us on another day. The first was a double save by McCormack uh, onto the crossbar and the second one was headed off the line by a defender. I think all we lack is another striker and one more centre mid, but I don't think it's all doom and gloom as we showed we're a better team now than last year and um, we, 
perspective wise, I mean, we start we started better than last season with that win and and, and then the cup win, and that's important. Mm. Um, and I say if those chances go in yesterday, and then it's a different story. That is. Per- perspective but also there's so many times throughout the last two or three years that we talked about chances not going in and not having that striker who, who on the day is going to make sure he scores it I mean Bradley Wright Phillips picture was on the back of the program yesterday I don't know if you noticed yeah 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 and uh, I mean, if he was there I mean it, it would have been I mean that's exactly what we're missing it is it is yeah and it's, it's desperate it seems to be the same every year but I mean we I was thinking then we, we signed that 20 goal a season striker last year in a Jose he had a, he had a season where he scored that but then we didn't hit the highest, did he? Yeah, I mean, he's only done that in one season. Though. Yeah, that's he's, true. He's had, that is true. He hasn't he done a, it one a loan time, spell yeah. early on at Berry, early on, I think, from when he was loaned from Man United, when he'd done okay. Mm. And nowhere else where he's hit any heights until that's no. again. So that might have just been a sort of a bit of a reactive but... purchase, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. As that earlier tweet or email has said as well, I don't know how many necessarily, how many strikers there are out there that are going to guarantee you that amount of goals, but you just, like I say, McGuinness will get between 10 and 20, I would expect, if you've got another striker that can do that. That might be enough with the creative players we've got. It's just, I don't think Novak's good enough uh, as a backup striker. And also just getting that other striker around the club is just going to give everybody else that lift and, and that statement of intent that we are going to finish the job that we started at the start of the transfer window. And yeah, I, I don't personally have names. I know they talked about that guy from Stevenage, but that seems to have been ruled out due to price. But we just need to get someone. It sounds like Carl's looking at players. It's just whether they can negotiate and get that deal over the line and we've only got as you said earlier Lou we're running out of time because there's yeah. what two, a couple of weeks left Yeah. so uh, thanks to uh, Ian uh, from Welling for your email there Mark Newbury says evening chats we think we didn't win yesterday because we had 11 men we're not used to it we said um, that yesterday <laughs> yeah. uh, he says I don't think that Ben Amos is better than Dylan he's had more game experience but from reports from other clubs fans they say he's not great at shot stopping which you'd consider to be a ob- ob- Obligatory for a goalkeeper. I, was, I didn't have a good preseason either. <laughs> Obligatory uh-huh. for a keeper, uh, and pretty much proven yesterday by their second goal. I'm not sure about Reeves either, as I'm only seeing him playing if Jake Forster Kasky is not there, and that stops the development of Aribo or Konza playing in midfield. But I'm sure that I, I imagine Reeves will be playing in the in the Reason role behind the striker. Yeah. yeah, so he won't he won't be taking Jake's position in my he'd opinion. Be more I mean, Billy's, but I thought Billy more, Clark played really well yesterday. Yeah, he's, he's a hold up player, isn't he? He's, mm. he's, now, it, I, I haven't actually done my preseason predictions like you guys have, but for for the if I was to make one one prediction this season is that by the end of the season everyone's going to hate Billy Clark apart from me <laughs> and that's going to be because he doesn't score goals and I'm going to say no he does this and that like, a bit like Simon like Church yeah, yeah. I, I think Clark's especially since Reeves has come in I thought Clark's looked alright yeah. he hoping, worked so hard yesterday I, I haven't seen Reeves play in the flesh yet so I don't know but I'm hoping that they push each other yeah, and, and that, that we're able to rotate and, those two in and that's what we're talking because I, I, that's what we're talking about in terms of squad depth and uh, competition and, and whether the squad's big enough where we're not at a strikers. I mean, mm. those three positions behind the strikers, you've got Ricky Holmes, you've got, you got uh, Reeves, you've got Fossu, Marshall. you've got Clark, you've got Marshall still to come. Uh, they're all going to push each other. And a Hearn Grant. And, uh, so uh, there's basically, Grant, the, if so, you yeah. include him, there's six play- people for three positions. So you've got backup in all of them. Yeah. Mm. So that, that that's the sort of depth we'd hope for throughout the squad, yeah. really, isn't it? Right, uh, Mark's... Uh, email continues just a quick note on what as well I'm in the like him camp uh, and think he provided an X factor more than anyone he got unfairly criticised against Bristol Rovers for not chasing down the ball uh, but he was following instructions from Carl Robinson I thought it seemed he had worked hard pre-season uh, uh, to be ready and it does leave a short up front Carl Robinson says there are a couple of things uh, in the pipeline or uh, for that uh, two words Jan back well, it won't happen <laughs> but I can dream could be uh-huh. worse not all gloom yet and that's from uh, Mr Mark Newby hope you're well Mark um, 
Yeah, do you agree agree with with Mark's stuff there about Tony Watt? I mean, we're going to we've got loads of tweets about Tony, which we're going to come on to in a few seconds. But I'm, uh, yeah, I think when he did come in, he was he was exciting. He obviously had that that brilliant goal against Huddersfield when it was, I think, a full valley, wasn't it? Football for a fiver that weekend, and he's shown glimpses. I think there's clearly something not right. He's he's not settled, but he's not settled pretty much anywhere he's been. He obviously was thrown into almost stardom if you like when he got that goal for Celtic against Barcelona so young and I think what strikes me is as Mark said this preseason more than any other he seems more dedicated he seemed more focused he seemed more driven to prove himself and this is the season that so early on he's going out on I don't know if it's on loan or permanent but yeah it's it's frustrating I don't think over the last year or so he's really done enough to earn himself a starting position if I'm being honest but I like him. I think he he comes across as a decent bloke. He just, as uh, Lewis said earlier, he just needs to settle somewhere, and he will he will be a good striker because it's difficult to see such a young professional sort of struggling so much in so many clubs. Uh, Lewis Wheeler just uh, back on the defensive midfield chat said uh, Dick Steele uh, is a defensive midfielder as well, and he looks impressive, quick, strong, calm on the ball, similar. Uh, to Cashin is right about Anthony Dixon. He is a defensive mm. midfielder. We've we've seen we've seen him at right back uh, in the Norwich friendly yeah, and uh, on yeah, the, that game. Uh, the Exeter game on the, on on Tuesday, and he looked excellent there. He does look a, a real prospect there. He snapped out from the the Nike Academy, mm. uh, which no one really knows what that is. But it seems, no. it seems to be some sort of farm for, for <laughs> children that, that turn them into good footballers. Good footballers but, yeah. but yeah, so that is right. He, he can play defensive midfield, and yeah, but know, it's it's the same thing with him as as you could say about Aaron Grant. So I do want to yeah. buddy him so early, yeah, you definitely. know. Exactly right. So earlier on, I did tweet out uh, Tony Watts' uh, a record whilst playing at Charlton. So he played fifty-six uh, appearances for Charlton, which includes eighteen from the bench and scored ten goals. So sort of one in sort of one in five, one in six in between there. One in five point six mm. actually is quite easy maths. Um, but um, but by asking asking fans if they were happy or sad uh, to to leave him go, and of course this, this is the fourth time. Uh, that he's left the club. So I'm going to go straight for uh, London. Nick Giza says, yes, uh, I'm sad to see him go. I'm a massive fan of Tony Watt. Watt, Watt. On his day, uh, he was quality uh, to watch, uh, a joy to watch. Ole, ole, and he's hashtag gutted. And then he's replied to himself, he said, I would rather that Carl Robinson left. Uh, which, oh. which is, uh, which is, I, I know uh, Mike Tyson's not a big fan of Carl uh, Robinson. Uh, Peter White says, what was really good during Luzon's first season but lost his way uh, Martin says uh, Martin disagreed with Peter said no the amount of good games he's had you can count on one hand Jack Bennett said said it's sad in uh, in the sense of it's a shame the potential he has that's gone to waste uh, was quality for us in the first season it's all uh, gone downhill uh, Super Clive Billy Hendricks says no I'll be sad I'm not sad but I'll be sadder if we don't get a striker in Sharpish Gary McKendry says no never seen bothered and rarely motivated never understood the hype David Lech- uh, Lechford says no glad to see him go he's 23 and had so many clubs it's unreal he's wasted his career in my eyes Paul Glover says how many chances do you give someone time to come time has come to say goodbye is he not mentally strong enough I mean I mean, mm-hmm. that, it's hard to look in someone's head in that but I mean, uh, when he when he came and uh, came back uh, midway through last season, we spoke to him. He said he, he we know he struggled to deal with a long term injury. He said he struggled with that and he wanted to mm. sort of work at home. But I mean, he wasn't really scoring goals back in Scotland either. So, you know, did I mean you can question, you know, whether he's settled or not. But you, you also question his ability at this moment because we know what he can do. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because <laughs> like he always had that moment of magic in him as well, but. Why he can't get, why he's not consistent with that, I'm not sure. I I just think that he physically cannot settle anywhere. 
And I think that the move that he's taking on now, where he's going back to Belgium somewhere, I'm not sure of the club. That's completely the wrong move, surely. I swear he went to went to Belgium and hated it in the first place. Why is he doing it again? Mm. He was with, with Standard Liège. He hated it, and then he came here, and then we mm. farmed him out. And now he's going back to it. Just feels like a backward step. And I think it's a young footballer not being, maybe not being looked after properly. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure he really knows what he wants from his career or or where he needs to be. And, and as Lewis said, I don't think he's maybe not got the right people around him giving him those suggestions because. As we keep saying, there's there's a good player in there, and if it is something mental that he needs help with, it, it doesn't look like he's getting that because, uh, as Lewis says, I don't think necessarily this move to Belgium is the right one. But if he goes there and he bangs in goals and that brings his confidence up, and maybe he could settle there because, maybe the reason he hasn't really settled elsewhere is because he hasn't really performed to his own expectations. I think his biggest downfall, his mentality, it seems to be that as soon as the going starts getting tough. He, he he seems to disappear. He seems mm. to go. He, he you know he had he hit the heights the first season. Loves it. He's on all the season ticket sale things, cleaning chairs, whatever. Then it gets a bit tough for him. We we send him out to Cardiff. That falls through. He comes back. Yep, determined. Then goes to Blackburn. Comes back last season after Hearts. Determined. Doesn't have the the best. Finds himself out the side. Does that help? Goes to pre season. He's lost a lot of weight. He looks in good shape and stuff. And again, finds himself out the side. Does he then just think, well, I'm not wanted, I'm off again. And it seems to be there's no, he needs like an arm around him. I think. Yeah. I don't think that he is mature enough at 23 years of age to know what he wants. In and you see, like uh, one of the emailers or tweeters said about that film thing he set up over the summer. That's just a, a footballer who's bored in London who yeah. needs to needs yeah. something to focus his mind. And if that's his mentality in that's the summer, sad. it's sad. It, it, it is. It's, it's really. It, it's horrible to see because it's he's sad. clearly finding it difficult to settle and finding it difficult to train his mind. And then he's ploughed himself into pre-season and focused himself in that way. And then, you know, okay, he was asked to do a certain job against Bristol and he did that. But the season's come around again and he's decided that. Well, whether it's him or the club, we're not really sure. But either way, he's decided, or they've decided to make that move and and try somewhere else again. And it just seems he he never really has that consistency in his life to to focus on one thing. Because Carl made it quite clear in his interview yesterday that he felt it was Tony Watt's decision mm. and his prerogative to to make to make the move. But then when I asked him if he wanted to keep Tony Watt, he said he's going to keep that internal, so he wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't confirm mm. that either way, yeah. which is interesting. I mean, you can read into that what you want to read into that. I'm, I don't know which way to read into that. It's, no. it's, it's up to everyone oh. to, to make their own decisions. Mm. So, right, coming back to the tweets, GB Addict says, I'm sad because he seemed like a genuinely nice bloke and things just didn't work out. However, I'll gladly swap him for a goal-scoring striker. Uh, Reese said he's an awful player, an awful attitude. He's had an awful career. Hurry up and bottle it with your Belgian League One team. Uh, John Skinner says, very much a wasted talent. Too many clubs... Uh, for a player of his age, obviously a problem elsewhere. And Reese says he wasn't great, but it was better than Novak. And now we need two strikers, not one. Uh, in my opinion, options there are now so poor. There's plenty of more tweets there. So if you want to head over to our uh, Charlton Live uh, Twitter page, you'll see uh, a few other a few other people um, talking uh, about Tony Watt as well. Too many to read out, in fact. But we do have one email. <coughs> excuse me from uh, uh, from friend of the show, Bob Liscombe says, uh, "Really disappointed." Um, uh, about Tony Watt I'd hoped his return was going to be a turning point for him I had a brief word with him on my way home from Sheffield in a service station on the M1 last season he told me he felt settled and that it was in a much better place in his head than before I was looking forward to him reproducing the form he showed against Forest e.g. the Watt versus the clock 
uh, with Tony what 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 ringing out around the valley with Carl telling him how much he loved him and that Jacko was his mentor always looking positive so what's gone wrong to be honest I don't think he ever really fitted in with Carl's plans nothing negative was ever said about him to ensure he could be off loaded as soon as possible uh, we will have to see who comes in as a replacement with what's departure happening quickly uh, I would expect something uh, this week but I mean who knows <laughs> who knows right so um, <clears throat> that's uh, all your views on uh, Tony what now I promised at the top of the show uh, that today we're going to hear from Alan Kerbishley now the club have uh, just released their new Valley Pass service which if you've got season ticket you got it for free for six months um, uh, it's basically the new CFC player stuff but I think I think it's meant to be better I don't know I ain't, I ain't got it so I don't know but um, <laughs> Uh, you, and there's uh, one of the things they're doing uh, as well. They've got all like the goals from the previous few seasons as well. Uh, but they're also doing these Valley Stories things. Uh, I know they've done one with Jacko, which uh, apparently was quite good. And they've got one with Alan Kerbis here as well. And the club uh, obviously wanted to advertise that, but also just to give us a little little bit of audio, we're going to hear from Alan Kerbis. You know, he's asked uh, what his proudest moment uh, was uh, as Charlton manager. Was it that day? Does that still mark as maybe your, your proudest moment as a manager? Um. <clears throat> no, not really. I think um, bouncing back. The foot two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, because it's very difficult to do. I mean, it's happening a, a little bit now, but you know the parachute payments weren't that great then, and and it's, I think in no disrespect, but I think it's a little bit easier now. Um, but when a team gets relegated. Um, you know, you, you normally see wholesale changes at a football club, which was um, totally different here mm. because um, where we'd gone on that journey, um, the club had always kept a little bit in reserve, was building this, you know, as you say, the East, the east Stand, then this stand and whatever, and the, and the thing was to wrap it around at some stage. But I think... Um, we, we got relegated the last game of the season. Uh, shouldn't have really done that. We needed Wimbledon to beat Southampton the game before, and if they'd have mm. done that, we'd have stayed up. We beat Villa 4-3. Would have had to have beat Barnsley, I think, <coughs> to stay up, and we'd have done that. Mm. But we got we, you know we went down last game of the season. I remember going to see Richard Murray, and uh, he gave me a three-year contract. On that day? Around his house, and um, we sold Danny Mills, because we didn't have to make wholesale changes. No. And we sold Danny Mills because it was a good price. I didn't have to sell Danny Mills. We sold Danny Mills. And we spent some of the money on it, obviously. Um, Dean came in and I think Andy Hunt, I think. Um, one or two others. And then we came straight back up. And I think that was more, I think, uh, of an achievement than going up through the playoffs. Mm. And again, did that, that showed really that keeping that core was, was what... What did it for us? Yeah, well, where I said that if we got beat by Sun and I'd have lost four or five Danger. players, yeah. Yeah. I was only in danger of losing a couple after we got relegated, and one of them was Kins, and we managed to keep him. And as I say, uh, Danny went out, it was a good price, four and a half million for Leeds. We didn't have to take it, but it gave me the opportunity to, yeah. to really like to reshape it all up. Dean came in, and uh, you know, one or two others, and it changed, changed us around. and. You know, we came straight back up, and I know other teams have done it, but I think you know, in that era, it was a lot harder to do it, and um, you know, so that that's probably my, my proudest moment.
way, going on a run, Holmes. Holmes still on the ball, heading towards the corner of the penalty area, gets the ball in the box. Novak with the header! It's a goal! What a goal! Lee Novak with a superb glancing header from a magnificent Holmes cross, puts Charlton in the lead. Welcome back, it's John Live here on uh, Maritime Radio on your Sunday evening. We've looked back at yesterday's uh, 2-0 uh, defeat, our first defeat of the season on the road uh, away at Plymouth uh, Home Park, 2-0 loss, uh, Jake Jervis with both the goals. Right, I also asked uh, uh, sort of this afternoon, uh, we've talked in detail now about, about Tony Watt leaving the last, but another player I asked about uh, is Ben Amos. We've been talking about him throughout the show because people have mentioned him, but I did, I did put out a, a specific tweet saying, yeah, so he's played he's played two games now for us. He kept a clean sheet in the opening game, uh, uh, conceded twice yesterday. He has looked shaky throughout uh, at times throughout both games. Now I thought it was an interesting point that uh, on after the Bristol Rovers game where where Ben Amos had come out for a couple of crosses and now you know you, your debate as to as to what happened there. I mean for me it just looked like he missed a couple of crosses and then the same mm-hmm. thing seems to happen yesterday and. Uh, uh, like I say, he dropped one and he, he let the goal slip for him. So, so I've sort of had my eye on him now. So, I've, uh, But yeah, after that Bristol Rovers game, uh, Carl Robinson came into the press room and we came to do the radio interview first and I didn't even ask him about Ben Amos. It was on the list, but I didn't get a chance to ask him. Mm. He just said straight away and I thought the big man at the back, you know, in goal was so, it was, you know, controlled his, uh, you know, really controlled his area today. He was majestic. He, um, uh, you know, got, he got fouled a couple of times when he came out for crosses, which, I mean, there was no foul mm. given. Um, and uh, so, so he clearly decided he wants to protect the player. Um, he, he wasn't asked yesterday. I think Jason Pierce. You'll hear some. You'll, you'll read some quotes from Jason Pierce in in the South London Press tomorrow, uh, where he was asked about uh, Ben Amos. But um, Carl Robinson clearly comes out to defend the player, which is the right mm. thing to do as the manager. Yeah. Uh, but as 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 the fans who watch, I mean, he, he, I, my heart was in my mouth a couple of times. Yeah, it was for me. It, it just doesn't seem to be. Um, sort of any any confidence when coming to claim the ball, I, I don't see him catching it and if, and holding it either. If you know, as a shot stopper, actually holding anything, he doesn't seem to be able to do. Whether it's rustiness, like I say, I don't know how much he played last year at Bolton. I know. I think was it was it Cardiff as well point, there, wasn't wasn't he? Yeah, and he yeah. was at Cardiff, and I'm not sure how much he played to be honest with you. Um, so it could be down to a bit of rustiness, but. Um, like people have been saying on social media from other clubs they were sort of um, pointing out a lot of his flaws there yeah. so it's obviously something that's that's followed him around um, I don't I don't know I think it, it could be too early to judge him maybe it's just he's just settling in but I, it seems to be the basics that he, he was getting wrong um, at Bristol uh, against <clears throat> Bristol and at Plymouth yesterday Right so I put it out there to, to find out what you guys thought about Ben Amos Jack Bennett says get Martin in if Amos uh, poor performances continue uh, we need a decent replacement. So he's talking about David Martin there. Paul Glover says, wasn't impressed by him at the first game of the season. Seems uh, to not like catching the ball. He did he did punch or, or you know, try mm. to punch a few things, including, like we say, Bauer's head yesterday. Yeah. Uh, rather, Oliver, hashtag Oliver K, says he's the worst number one we've had in years. Uh, Kevin Spriggs says the key to promotion is a strong number one and a goal scorer, and we have neither. Uh, Zach says, let's look at the ups. He's better than Chiram. Uh, <laughs> so would all three of us be. Uh, Danny says I didn't rate Rudd so, but not sold on Amos doesn't seem to command the box but I'm a big fan of Dylan Phillips way better than Ben Amos Lewis Wheeler says we've signed someone who doesn't even look better than Dylan Phillips pretty sure it's a matter of time and Phillips will be number one again Stuart Court says nay 
And this is Mr. Wilkes. I don't know if that's a reference I haven't got it. Uh, Reese says he looks so dodgy against Bristol Rovers and should have saved the second goal yesterday. Really poor signing, uh, in my opinion. David Jervis says it doesn't seem to be better than Phillips. So a shame to see him blocking the progress of one of our promising youngsters. Anthony Pentham says, hope he's decent. Apart from Hendo, we've not had a decent keeper since Dean Kiley. That's up for debate, isn't it? Uh, have we in Dean Kiley? Scott Carson was quite good. Yeah, Hamer was all right. Hamer had shaky spells, but he was all right. Uh, mm. She says Shea Given is open to offer, so we could have got him. Yeah, I don't know if he ended up anywhere, Shea Given, in the end. Uh, Danny Lay says he's awful. He looks really shaky, doesn't command his area, flaps at crosses, can't save long shots, and I've never rated him. Jake says he's starting to look like Charam. He's starting to make Johan uh, Charam Ulian look like David De Gea. <laughs> uh, and then uh, someone called the Kasky Roll on, the, on Twitter says, uh, I says I think there's better out there that wouldn't make uh, take up so much of the wage bill to be honest flaps at long shots just like Bolton fans told us he would uh, and he's generally looked a bit of a liability I expected better from a pretty experienced goalkeeper uh, but so far been a bit disappointed so obviously we know how difficult it is um, to win fans over once you've made a bad start so now he's he's going to be really up against it Ben Amos and like I was saying I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because it's two games I've seen him play two games and he's made errors I'm sure I've seen Jan Kermigan have two bad games. I saw us in Chris Oli yeah. have two bad games. Well, maybe not. <laughs> but, you know, players have two bad games. It happens, especially mm. at a new club with a new back four where you're mm. still getting the communication with, with someone like Patrick Bauer who's you know got German accent and all that. It might be hard to communicate. <laughs> you know, but he's got a lot of work to do now to win the fans back. I think as well, when you're a goalkeeper, by the nature of the job, it's very reactive. So... When you're a striker, if you're having a bad game, you know, you can tear around, you can work hard, you can get yourself in positions, you can drop deep to pick the ball up, you know, you can do a lot of stuff to show that you're making an effort. When you're a goalkeeper, you can't just stand in your box throwing yourself towards, you know, while the ball's up the other end of the pitch, you can't be diving around to show people that you're good, you know, you need to wait and you just have to react to what happens around you. The danger is that if he tries too hard to try and impress and he starts... You know, if a player's bursting through and he thinks, oh, I could do this, and if if it goes it off, yeah, the fans will love me. So he's got to just play his game, react to things that happen. Uh, Lewis said earlier, you know, Nick Pope went through three or four games when he started his career with us where he was spilling balls and the same mistakes were happening over and over again. And I think towards the end, he showed the sort of keeper he could be. Um I haven't been impressed so far. I, it wasn't the, the goalkeeper I wanted to see come in, but... I'll give him time. Um, it is a new club, like you say. He's got a lot to adapt to, and you know, if he goes through a couple of games, it only takes a penalty save or some save in the last minute when we're one nil up or something like that. That's all he needs to start to turn things around. And yeah, you know, fans of the other clubs he's been at have, have said he's not brilliant, but at the same time, he's he's made a career out of being a professional footballer. You know, he's mm. it's not like it's one of us stuck between the sticks. So. I'll give him time, but I understand people's frustration because so far I don't think he's impressed. He needs a good home performance, doesn't he? In mm. front of a yeah. in front of a home crowd, he needs it right. Uh, Mark says that he doesn't believe that I've seen Yan have two bad games. He sent that, that thing from the anchor man. Doesn't believe me. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, let's just have a before we go to our final break. Just got a quick email from Danny Traffen. I hope I pronounced it right. Says hello, Louis and everyone. Firstly, welcome back, and he's got a rant of the day for us, which is okay. uh, you know we're like a sounding board for people's rants. So mm. send send him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is it about a, football? Uh, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Okay. It says uh, <laughs> you know, it's about the, it's about the traffic in Melbourne. Where he's from. There. It says uh, rant of the day. As an overseas Charlton fan, I was happy to hear about the only the online streaming service called iFollow was being set up for all the EFL clubs. 
uh, a few months ago to live stream the games for overseas fans. About 10 Chul- uh, EFL clubs have decided to go alone, and Cholton are one of the few with Valley Pass. He says Valley Pass is a f- poor man's version of iFollow. It only provides commentary and extended highlights the following day. I've emailed the club twice and tweeted the official on Twitter account asking when they will provide online in, uh, streaming for overseas fans. To date, I've not had a reply. Uh, he's not happy with the customer service. Uh, do you know why the club have decided not to join iFollow or stream games? Now, I, I can't answer that question. I know that you can buy single match passes on that iFollow thing. So, um, if, if you were to go, to example, to the Bristol Rovers website last week, and I, I don't know if, uh, if Plymouth had it, but if you went to their website, I think you could buy it for like a fiver. So obviously it's not ideal. So there are ways around it. Obviously, when Charlton have decided to go their own way with the um, uh, with, with with their own website, which means they won't do it. So I can I can understand the frustration. There's probably quite badly timed that they, this was the season they've decided to come away from the horrible template websites that the Football League provide. Just so yeah. happens to be at the same time that they're bringing in something really cool that would have worked for for, for fans overseas. So uh, sorry to hear you're upset about that, Danny. Like I can't really answer that question. Uh, but I understand your frustration because if I was uh, if I was living overseas and that opportunity came up and then was taken away from me, uh, I wouldn't be too happy. Well, just got under ten minutes left of uh, tonight's chat live. Uh, we've got some season predictions to read through. Uh, we're going to read them at the, the start of the season. Some of you guys have emailed in, uh, and we'll see how true they turn out to be over the course of the campaign. Dennis is fed in, lovely touch, goes around his player, chips across the box, Jackson, oh yes, what a goal by Johnny Jackson, arriving late in the box, Holmes Dennis with a pinpoint cross, and the skippers give a Charlton the lead. Charlton Live. From the home of time, time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. So welcome back, Charlton Life. This is uh, from the home of time and also the home of football because it's from the Valley uh, here on your Sunday evening. Uh, our first show of the season following our numerous explosions uh, within the studio. But we're, we're glad to say that so far we've survived uh, with very few injuries and there's only seven minutes left. Although the light has kept flashing throughout the entire <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. I'm waiting for that to pop. So if at any point uh, the, the light goes and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll hear a screaming or something, <laughs> uh, you, you'll know why. Uh, right, so um, the plan was for last Sunday's show was that we were going to talk through uh, season predictions. Now, sort of be- behind the scenes, I'll let you behind the, the curtain here. Uh, we do talk off air. And I was uh, I, I sent uh, all the uh, the Chalk Knife pundits, uh, for want of a better word, uh, <laughs> a list of um, a list of questions, a pre-season list of questions, which they've all filled in for me, uh, and I'm going to print out and put into an envelope that I shan't open uh, until the end of the season, so we can find out how little they all know uh, about football uh, and and about life in general. Um, uh, so so we'll, uh, we'll we'll find out at the end of the season. But I'll let you know what the questions are because I did also ask uh, you listeners to send yours in, and we'll read yours out now. Uh, but just because just I find it interesting to see how you think the season will go. So we're going to start off with uh, James Fern. So question number one is who you believe will impress the most out of the new signings. And James has gone for Mark Marshall, um, which is obviously see, now he's started with this horrible injury for three mm. months, which is going to hold him back a bit. But he has got potential. I watched him in the playoff final, Bradford versus Millwall. Uh, he was playing for Bradford at the end of last season. In that first half, he was he was actually tearing Millwall apart and um, you know fading in the second half. But if we see that from him, then then has the potential to be quite exciting. Now, question number two is new signings who will be a flop. Uh, James has gone for Billy Clark. 
let's say yeah, so I say that's my prediction. By the end of the season, everyone's going to moan he hasn't scored enough goals, and I'll be going, mm-hmm. "Yeah, but look at all the assists." <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, number three, the question is who will get the most yellow or red cards, and that's Patrick Bauer. Uh, I didn't, I didn't expect us to get two red cards in our opening two games when I wrote that question. No. And neither, neither of them surprised <laughs> any of us did. Yeah, have gone to to Patrick Bauer. Now number four, who will be the top scorer? He's gone for Josh McGuinness. Uh, although obviously based on his finishing yesterday, that's going to be yeah, wrong. That's a bit of a long shot. <laughs> uh, number five, who will be Player of the Year? Quite a simple one. Uh, Ricky Holmes, he's gone for. Uh, number six, where will we finish this year? He's gone for fourth. Ooh. So uh, at the end of the season, he could look very silly if uh, if I decide to read that out again. Now, I've asked for one weird meaning unique thing that's going to happen this season, sort of a chance to think outside the box. And uh, James has gone for that Roland Duchatel is actually going to attend the game. Fair enough. Uh, will Kyle Robinson be sacked this season? And if so, when? Uh, James has gone for the easy answer of no. Uh, and finally, will Roland Duchatelet still own the club at the end of the season? James has gone for yes. Now, Ian Timms also uh, uh, got involved with the predictions. New signings, who will impress the most? He said Tariq Fossu. Uh, I feel with Marshall out, this kid will show why he should be in the team and get off with a flying start, uh, quick feet, and has already uh, been proving himself to the gap. And he certainly looked really good against, uh, uh, against Bristol Rovers on the opening day. Uh, he's also said Cashy, not a new signing, but he's going to feel like one. The guy's a class act and controls the midfield. Number two, who will be a flop from the new signings? Now, this is completely opposite to what James said because he's gone for Marshall. He thought he was going to be the, the star of the new signings. He says starting his charting life with a long-term injury is never going to be a good start, possibly an injury that could plague on his mind once returning. The three months out is giving another player a chance to put his mark on the team, making Marshall have to fight to get into the team. Uh, I think he's joking this one when I've asked who's uh, the most yellow or red cards he's gone for Yoni Bayouns they said uh, serious <laughs> answer Bauer uh, but he'll also be the highest scorer, scoring defender in the league hmm, fair enough uh, who will be top scorer he's gone for Josh McGuinness uh, who will be player of the year he's gone for Cashy if he stays fit if not it'll be uh, Ricky Holmes where are we going to finish he's gone for 7th so just Ooh. heartbreak just outside the playoffs uh, predict one weird meaning unique thing that will happen this season said so we're going to get a big team in the FA Cup and we're going to beat them now, obviously, how we uh, measure big teams. I mean, these days, because I, mean, yeah. I mean, it would be an upset if we beat um, Burton Albion or someone like that. So <laughs> we always get Huddersfield. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. They're a big team now. They got a cracking result yesterday. Fair play to every single yeah, one. They did get a very good result. <laughs> um, uh, will who, Car- who, who's that against? <laughs> Some no marks. Uh, who uh, will Carl Robinson be sacked this season? Uh, he's gone for no. And will Ronan Duchatelet still own the club at the end of the year? He's gone for yes. Now finally, Scott Wilkes has sent in his predictions. Best signing he says going to be Jay De Silva. Worst signing, he said Ben Amos. And now he's, he's off to a good start with that hey. one. Uh, uh, most cards, he's gone for Jason Pierce. Top scorer, Josh McGuinness. Player of the year, Ricky Holmes. Final position, he's gone. He's been vague with this one. He just said playoffs, so he's picked four mm-hmm. positions there. Uh, weird, weird, it says, weird occurrence. Lee Bowyer impresses in the Legends United match and is given a player-coach role to replace Ahmed Kashi when he inevitably <laughs> moves to Real Madrid. Nice. <laughs> uh, Robinson to be sacked. Hopefully not, but will probably will be at some point. Uh, when's the next Belgian protest and he says Roland is still own the club yeah probably with all the profitable youngsters coming through I don't see him selling especially if he wants to make his money back will he even have a willing buyer so that's uh, Scott's predictions for the season so thank you guys for, for sending your story we couldn't read any more out because pretty much just uh, running out of time although Garmy head chef and I'm sure Tom will agree with this that the uh, the, the one unique thing that's going to happen this season is that Cross is going to score a 20 yard screamer and run off shouting wee 20 quid in it for you if that happens <laughs> so there you go right this has been our, our first show back uh, and it's flown by really uh, thank you uh, both for coming in and uh, 
uh, joining us. Uh, Tom Wallen, did you Cheers, enjoy three. enjoy coming back? Good to be back. Yes, good to be back. Good. And you're going to be back with us on. You're not this this Thursday. not this Thursday. No, I'll be back from next week but properly. Hopefully, so. hopefully Nathan will be here. Yeah, uh, next Thursday. Lewis Cat, thanks for rushing back from Plymouth via Gatwick Airport. No problem. Yeah, and no uh, problem. and coming in for tonight. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Like I say, apologies for for not being here for the start of the season. Uh, as long as nothing burns down between now and, and Thursday, we will be back on Thursday. Myself and Nathan for the big match previews. We'll look ahead to next Saturday's game uh, with Northampton. But this has been Charlton Live. I've been Louis Mendes. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, and we'll see you on Thursday. See you later. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.